Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Well, hey, church, I am glad that we are finding ourselves in the midst of this uh, new series called A Deeply Formed Life. You know, this is an important place where we get to learn about different practices and different disciplines that we are coming around as a church so that we can learn them individually, we can learn them together, and we can actually grow in our relationship with God. All of these things are bringing us back into relationship with Him and bringing us closer to Him. Last week, Brandon read, and this is kind of our guiding verse throughout the entire, uh, entire series, John 15, verse 4. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Jesus is speaking here. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And part of this whole, um, this whole series of a deeply formed life is that we would be remaining in Christ. And so today we're actually talking about a couple of different spiritual dip- disciplines, uh, practices that we want to make sure that we're engaging in as Christ followers. And they're important ones. I mean, all of them are important, but these two, you would probably say, are really important when it comes to your walk. And this is prayer and fasting. So I just want to read to you a passage out of Matthew 6, uh, verse 5, just to start us off here. It says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. So there's this big show that's taken place by people when they pray. Jesus is saying, let's, like, let's do this differently. Verse 6, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling on like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. So then Jesus goes into this outline, and many of us know this prayer. It's coined as the Lord's Prayer. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Listen, we're going to pray as well, uh, just to supplement this scripture as we go into the rest of this message. So why don't we pray here? Jesus, I thank you so much that we get to gather, whether virtually or in person or whatever that looks like, Lord. And I thank you that we get to be together in some way. God, I pray that you would speak through me today, that your word would be clear, and that we would learn about these spiritual disciplines so that we can draw closer in relationship with you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have, I guess you could say, a bit of a ritual at dinner time every single night, as maybe you do as well. But with our kids, we sit down at the dinner table and we go, okay, who wants to pray? right? All the food is out. Who wants to pray? And typically that's followed by two or three, like me, I do. Sometimes Brandon's chiming in there too. But usually the kids are like me and they want to say it the fastest. And then we go on to say, okay, we can each take a turn or you can have a turn. You can have a turn. They close their eyes. They fold their hands. And as quickly as possible, they say, uh, dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Bless this food to our bodies. Amen. And then we go on to the next kid. Dear Jesus, thank you for this food. Bless to our bodies. Amen. 
And I realized that actually this is probably rubbing off on them from me. They say this quick little prayer and then it's like, okay, let's eat, let's get into this. And I realized that when I pray for my food, when I, when I approach prayer, sometimes it's this quick kind of repeated, typical, the, the, the way I would said, have said it yesterday is the way that I'm saying it today. And it can be this, this kind of um, way of just interacting with God that's just out of repetition. You know, for many people who call themselves Christians, prayer is seen as an important thing. If I asked you today, if I polled you right now, you would probably say, yep, as a Christian, prayer is important. This is something that is significant uh, for my walk with God, for my Christianity. This is my communication with God. Prayer can also feel sometimes a little bit confusing or lead us to feel a little bit insecure. You know, we, I've talked to people and they're going, I don't know if I'm doing it right. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't know how to be natural when it comes to praying. I, I feel awkward about it. And even if I do pray, does it actually like affect God in any way? Does it, does it affect the outcome of my life? Does it change anything? And then we have this whole concept of fasting that we want to look at and get into as well. This is another idea that some of us implement regularly, but as a whole, this body of Christ, the church, his bride, often is kind of neglecting this area of saying, hey, I am going to refrain from, I'm going to fast from uh, consuming this food in order to meet with God. Maybe when I say fasting, you actually think of intermittent fasting and this kind of health trend that's been going on over the past little while. And that's actually your thought, not as a spiritual discipline, but just kind of as something that you've seen on Instagram. So why are these practices actually important? What do they actually mean for our day-to-day -day life as Christ followers? What does this mean for us to actually remain in Christ and how does this affect it? Why does Jesus even clarify them? And what do they do for our walk with God. You know, we're gonna go into both of these ideas today and they relate to one another. All of these spiritual disciplines relate to each other, but we're gonna start with prayer. We're gonna dive into this. This is a pretty big spiritual discipline, but you know, prayer is actually a pretty big universal concept as a whole. Most religions have some kind of prayer component to it. They, there's many people who pray just kind of in the moment. Even if they say they're not religious, studies have actually found that most people have at some point in their life prayed at least once, if not regularly. And as people get older, they tend to pray more. But what is it really? What is prayer actually uh, for us as believers? You know, Timothy Keller, a pastor out of New York City, he describes it as a personal communicative response to the knowledge of God. This is well beyond that definition that many of us might go to of saying, okay, well, prayer is talking with God. He's saying this is actually a response. It's a personal response. It's done through communication, but it is a response to our knowledge of God. Romans 1.20 says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Basically, what is being said here in Romans is that humanity is aware of a greater being, a higher power. And prayer can either be some vague understanding of this, God help me, right, in that moment, or a, a prayer that's kind of said, I don't believe in God, but you know, I pray sometimes, or a prayer that's a vague understanding of this, or it can be a spiritual gift. The choice is ours, and the choice is actually found 
in maybe a place that surprises you a little bit. Our choice of how we approach prayer is really found in salvation. You see, when we choose to follow Jesus, the Bible tells us that we become children of God. It's in Galatians 4, and when we are children of God, we have this close relationship. He is our Father. We are the children. We are co-heirs with Christ. There's this incredible thing that takes place that we are part of the family. And when you're part of a family, you actually get to know your family. There's actually a personal relationship and response that takes place. It's not just some vague, far-off being that we see God as, but we actually see Him as Father. And we actually see in the Bible that the Holy Spirit helps us pray, that we're not going at this alone, that this isn't something that we are navigating and doing solo. But if, our, if prayer is a, a response out of our knowledge of God, it's fair to say that the more that we understand God and who He is, the, the better our prayer life becomes, the richer, the deeper, the more um, engaging, the more experiential, the more that we actually want to be in this space of praying to God. It takes away this kind of boring or this have to or what do I say or what do I do and it gives us the ability to respond to our knowledge of God. Prayer is not just talking to God. Anybody can talk to God. That's the vague understanding. Out of salvation, prayer is actually a response to God. It's an encounter or an experience with the Most High. See, this has the potential to go way beyond a near-death experience or what we see kind of outlined in media where people are like, God, if you really exist, would you do this for me? Would you grant this request or would you be there in this situation? It, it goes way beyond a crisis mode situation. It goes beyond a grocery shopping list of prayer requests that we give up to God in our time of prayer with Him. It's not hurried. It's not rushed. It's a much deeper understanding. So what you might be wondering, okay, I understand that this is a response to God, but prayer is also God communicating with us. There's an element of this being conversational back and forth. And how does God actually speak to us? This is a good question. I remember um, as a teenager going to a youth conference, and these were pretty common with my church where we'd gather a whole bunch of different youth groups together and teenagers together, and you'd bring in some charismatic, funny, uh, uh, entertaining kind of speaker who would open up God's word. And there'd often be times where we would be praying and um, having time where we'd come to the front and prayer for that and those sorts of things. And I remember sitting there on multiple occasions going, okay, God, I just want this speaker to say something directly to me because then I will know that this is your voice. Then I will know that you are speaking to me. I just wanted so badly that charismatic person from the mic to go, hey, you, this is what God is saying to you. Then I would know. And I know that this experience is actually not unique to me. There's probably many people right now watching going, yeah, I've had that same thought. God, if you would just speak verbally, if you would just speak directly through someone else, if you would just bring clarity, then I would know what to do. Then I would know what steps to take. Then I would know who you want me to be. You know, when we talk to him, we want him to talk back to us. But for many of us, we actually fail to understand that God has already spoken to us. And this is actually through Jesus. He's spoken to us through Jesus. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right in this very first part of the book of John, we see Jesus being called and described the Word. The Word has already 
been given to us. Jesus is the loudest message God will ever speak to us. He sent his son as a fulfillment of the law, of, of his covenant with his people. Jesus has taught us the way. Jesus has given us the direction. Jesus has died for us and risen again so that we could have relationship with God, so that we can be part of that family that I was talking about earlier. You see, our prayer to God is a response to our acknowledgement of Jesus as Lord. This is where it becomes wrapped up in salvation. You see, God also speaks through scripture. This is another place where we see the story of who God is and what he desires of us come out. We can look at it as a whole in this like bigger spance of creation, fall, redemption, consummation, this great meta narrative that he lays out. And we can also look at scripture through this lens of what is God saying in this context to these people? What does that mean for me today? And we can understand and read our Bibles. This is another spiritual discipline, right? Of course, scripture reading. And we'll be talking about that later. But there are details there that help us to understand who God is. So we have Jesus, who we read about and know about and learn about in scripture. We have the Holy Spirit through us. We have, we have scripture and all scriptures God breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The Holy Spirit makes that scripture alive and active to us. So God has already spoken to you. I just want to be able to let you relax a little bit. If you feel like you've never had this audible experience with God, which I have not, if you've never had a pastor from the stage tell you something that God has said to them, I have not. If you've never had it where it's this uh, kind of movement in the space that you're in, then that's okay. God has already spoken to us. We just need to be open to actually receiving what he has said through Jesus, what he has said through his word. You see, prayer is actually an act of surrender. It's an act of self-sacrifice. It's an act of self-awareness, where when we are coming, we are actually surrendering to God and saying, I trust you and I look to you. It's coming to a place of recognizing that God is in control and that we can submit to him. This is a much more robust spiritual discipline than simply reading out like a laundry list of prayer requests. You know, for many of us, we fall into one type of prayer and one kind of structure, especially if you've grown up in the church any time in the last 30, 40 years. If you've been outside of any of the mainline churches and you're in a bit more of an evangelical church, you would probably engage in prayer mostly in the form of petition. And we're going to talk about these different forms of prayer. But often prayer has become this laundry list of, God, this is what I need you to do for myself, for someone else, for this situation, for where we find ourselves. And we just kind of go through, maybe even you've prayed this way, where you just have a list written down, and every day you just kind of go through this list, and you're going, okay, I did my time, I did my prayer. Prayer is so much more robust than that. So how do we actually do it? How do we engage in prayer? You know, there's a lot of theologians and pastors who comment on prayer and talk about it. And Jesus actually gives us, first and foremost, how we ought to pray, right? We read that at the beginning. And there's some things that we can do around this to help orient ourselves and ready ourselves to engage in this discipline of prayer. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, okay, this is sounding complicated. (laughs) Like, shouldn't prayer be simple? Shouldn't I just be able to sit down and kind of jump in? And absolutely, you can do that. I, I don't want you to be intimidated by this, but it's kind of like walking into a gym and just kind of getting intimidated by everything around you and walking back out. 
you went to the gym, but you're not going to get any benefit of actually being at the gym unless you engage in the activities there. In the same way, if you go to the gym and all you do is walk on the treadmill and you say, I've been to the gym every day, I go to the gym every day, but I'm not growing, my, my, my muscles are not developing in any way, it's probably because you're not engaging in the structures and the systems and the things that are there to help support your growth and development. It's kind of similar with prayer. Some of us kind of feel stuck in our prayer life if we even feel like we have a prayer life and we feel like, how do I actually engage in this? How do I actually do this? But if it sounds complicated, then do I really want to do this? It's not about swinging to a place of I have to do it this certain way. It's saying these are some of the structures that are, that are going to help you engage in your response to God. So this is what Dallas Willard talks about when we are looking at prayer and some of the structures around prayer. He says, first of all, to meditate. So say you're sitting down the first thing to do is to meditate. And this can be sounding like a really weird spiritual guru-y type thing, new age uh, meditation, this idea that comes out. Listen, meditation first existed within scripture. So we can just quickly redeem that back as Christians that, that okay, yep, there's different forms of meditation that might not be helpful spiritually, but this form of meditation of stopping and meditating on God's word, meditating on the scriptures, it very simply means stop and think about it. Take some time and focus on it. Pay attention to it. Read your Bible and consider what is actually being said here. Take a few minutes to meditate on that. And this practice takes years to go through scripture, to understand scripture, to see what God is saying, to look and go, what is going on in this context? That's not always easy to do, but I encourage you to take some time to do that. So meditate, think on God's word. Then Dallas Willard says, there's a space for a spoken prayer. So basically this idea of praying out something like the Lord's Prayer, praying out scripture, speaking that out that's already written for you. Then he goes on to talk about free prayer. This is the pouring out of our hearts. This is where things like praise, confession, petition, what we were mentioning earlier in Thanksgiving, find themselves, where we just pour our hearts out to God as our Father. We've meditated, we've acknowledged His Word, we've come from a place of surrender, we've recognized that we don't have it all together, and now we are petitioning, we are, or we are having this free prayer where we are talking to God on a bigger scale. And then contemplation, thinking about God's character as we go from this space of prayer. This structure can help us when we go to pray. And it doesn't have to take an hour or three hours. Maybe you have time for that. Maybe that's something that you want to do right now in your stage of life. For me right now, that is not possible. But hey, 15 minutes, yeah, that is. That's a time that I can set aside to actually practice prayer. So when we talk about free prayer, I talked about a few different things there. What, what's that, what does that mean? Uh, you know, it can be so easy just to fall into, okay, God, this is how I feel. This is what I want. This is what I think. And this, this pouring out that takes place. You know what? There's something powerful about that, but we actually can have some structure within that as well that honors God. And we see that through Jesus. We see that through what Jesus has given us when it comes to prayer. The first thing is this. When we look at the, the prayer, the Lord's prayer that Jesus offers us, we see praise. We see an acknowledgement. God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. There's this praise and this acknowledgement of God's kingdom, of God's will, that his name is holy. 
This is an important piece when it comes to prayer, that it's not all about us. This is our acknowledgement, our response of who God is and our knowledge of him. Then there's the space of self-examination and repentance or confession. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. God, forgive us. And this place isn't just like a sweeping over, hey, if I've done anything wrong, like, sorry, can you just take that from me? It's self-examining. It's saying, okay, God, can you show me? Holy Spirit, would you just reveal to me the things that are going on? Not just behaviorally, but in my attitude, in the way that I think things through, in the way that I'm carrying the problems that I have and the challenges that I'm going through. Man, I've got worry here. I've got these things. And allowing ourselves to confess those to God, to actually come to a place of confession. Then we see this, this idea of thanks for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Thanking God for who he is, thanking him for what he has done, coming with a heart of gratitude. And then there's this place of supplication or petition. Then we can petition God and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, this is what I need. This is what I need. I need deliverance. I need healing. I need freedom. This is intercessory can come in here. This is what my friend needs. This is what's going on in the life of the people around me. This is what's happening in our government. God, would you work? Would you move in this? I need you in this way. You know, I want to pause on petition for a moment. I know that I've talked about it already, but I think that this has become such a big part of our prayer life. I know I can fall into this trap. God, thank you so much for this day. And here's the list of things that I want you to do. That is what a lot of us take as the fullness of prayer and what that actually means. But we often forget to the, the surrender component of petition, of thy will be done. We see this set out for an example, uh, as an example set out for us, when we see Jesus in the garden before he goes to the cross and he's praying, Father, would you take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. You see, this is an important difference here because yes, we are asking that God would work in miraculous ways. We are asking that God would move in ways that we might not understand. We are asking for him to bring us hope, for him to bring us peace. But at the end of the day, there is something really powerful about surrender. Not my will, but yours be done. When we are responding to our knowledge of God, we have to recognize that God is greater, that God is stronger, that God is above us. We are the created. He is the creator. So when we look at how does prayer actually change things, it really comes to a head here. What we come to is that prayer is a bit of a mystery. And I know that might not feel like a satisfying answer, but I love how uh, Timothy Keller outlines these two traps that can come up. We can either figure that God's in charge if we go on to one end of the spectrum, and so our prayer is meaningless, and it doesn't matter anyways. What's going to happen is going to happen. It doesn't matter what I say or do. At the same time, we could go to the other side where we go, our actions change God's plan. Our prayers change God's plan completely. And so we should be terrified that we're actually in control. You see, both of these things take us to the extremes when we really need to be in a, in a place where we recognize that we are empowered by God to talk to him, to ask, to bring things forward. But we can also rest assured and trust God that he is good and he is in control. We don't always know why things happen or don't happen. 
And we're encouraged to ask and we're encouraged to bring our hearts before God. But at the end of the day, there's an act of submission here that we absolutely cannot ignore. There's an act of submission where we have to say, okay, God, you are in control. You are good. Your ways are higher. I am, the, I, I am not you. I am not God. It comes back to being fully surrendered. You see, our petition has to take on two parts. Your kingdom come. Please put this broken world right. Heal us, comfort us, your kingdom come. Because we know your kingdom doesn't have all of this junk going on that's going on in my life. And your will be done. I am surrendered to you fully. You see, prayer is a spiritual discipline that we often, uh, that we often have stand alone, but it's really actually contained in so many other spiritual disciplines. And the other disciplines are wrapped into the core of prayer. Silence and solitude, confession, fasting, Sabbath, celebration, submission are all important aspects and parts of prayer. You can see some of them in what I've talked about already. Taking time to confess, taking time to meditate on the word, reading the scriptures, having space for silence and solitude. It's all wrapped up in there. But sometimes we get so flippant with our prayers that we lose out on the opportunity for this time to be a meeting with God, a refining process where the Holy Spirit is invited in and refines us, where we are looking to God's word, seeing what he has said to us through Jesus, seeing what he has said to us through his word and actually developing and growing in this. There is so much there for prayer. And so why don't we jump over into fasting? Fasting, Matthew 6, Chapter 16, this is where Jesus goes on in the same passage of scripture and says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces and show up to show others their fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you fast... Right. This is a concept, again, that many of us would look at and go, this is an important piece. It's an important spiritual discipline. But do we do it? Do we really take that time to fast? For some of us, maybe we've been fasting for a long time and that's a practice that we're used to and we've been engaged in over many, many years. And this is an opportunity to maybe reorient ourselves to the why and what prayer looks like within that fasting and how we develop in that. For others of us, maybe we've never fasted before and we're like, why is this even important? Why is it important to refrain from eating food? I don't understand. I don't get it. You see, fasting reminds us of our dependence on food. When that hunger pain comes in because you haven't eaten lunch or you haven't eaten breakfast or dinner or whatever time you've chosen to do this, when that hunger pain comes in, it reminds us that we are actually dependent on something outside of ourselves. And that dependence on food uh, ultimately reminds us of our dependence on God. It brings us face to face with the reality that no matter what facade we want to live under, that we are somehow independent beings, that we can, you know, you're a strong, independent individual that can take it on and, and do life alone and, and nothing can stop you and you don't need anything from anyone. Fasting reminds us very quickly within a couple of hours that that is not the case. It's not trying to win favor with God. It's not trying to appease God. So there, therefore we somehow get what we want. It's about saying, I am dependent on God. 
I need this space. I love how Dallas Willard says that fasting is feasting. You know, it seems a little bit backwards. What do you mean I'm not eating food? How am I feasting when I'm fasting? But we are feasting on the goodness of God, the character of God, our knowledge of God, our awareness of who he is and our dependence on him. Fasting is one of those places where prayer is contained. So when we fast, what it looks like is abstaining from food for a set portion of time. We can determine that time ahead of time. And instead, in that place where we would normally be eating and normally be engaging in this, we are praying to God. We are taking time to do those exact steps that I talked about earlier. It's an important practice to get into so that we just are reminding ourselves of this dependence on God. God, I am willing to deny myself. I'm willing to sacrifice myself because I want to be dependent on you. Another piece of uh, fasting that it starts to train us in that might be a little bit lesser known or lesser seen is this idea of self-denial. Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Last week, Brandon was talking about suffering and, and pain that's there when we, are, uh, when we are cut off from the vine, but also pain that's there when we are pruned from the vine. And we're pretty pain averse as a, as a society today. We don't like to suffer. We actually get really angry when we have to suffer. We get angry when we have to deny ourselves something. We get frustrated when we choose one line at the grocery store and the other line starts moving faster. We get annoyed when the person driving in front of us is going like, five kilometers over the speed limit instead of 15 kilometers over the speed limit. We are people that do not like to be denied pretty much anything. If I want it, I should and can have it, and I'm gonna make a way to get it. That's what our society tells us. And the process of fasting is actually a practice of self-denial. It's saying I am going to deny myself something that's, that's absolutely needed, food because I'm going to learn this process of what it means to actually suffer. I'm going to understand that this, this practice affects my ability to restrain myself. There's going to be suffering in this life, and this is one way that we can build that muscle of coping with it. You know, traditionally fasting is, uh, is food, right? Traditionally, that's what we see in scripture, fasting is food. And that's probably because this gives us the greatest awareness. But if you can't fast food for some reason, if that's not something that you can do, not something you feel comfortable with, fast something that creates a hunger or a longing in you. Uh, not something that's just gonna help you uh, just get rid of a bad habit or that sort of thing. Create, let, let it be something that shows you, hey, I'm actually dependent on God here, not just on myself. That acknowledgement that we can't just be dependent on our own will. And then what? So we take the time, we fast food, we take time to pray out of that space and we look to trust God. We depend on him. We give it up to him. And then you just go about your day. You don't need to post it on social media. You don't need to tell everybody that you're fasting. This is what Jesus is talking about. Wash your face, get up. Don't complain about how hungry you are. Go on about your day and, and watch how this dependence and closeness to God comes together. So there's a lot here. 
for sure. There's no denying it. How can we possibly talk about prayer and fasting together in one short message? There's so much more there. But I want to invite you to start taking that first step. There's lots of resources out there. We have that great booklet for you to check out and follow along with and engage in for prayer and fasting. I want to encourage you, if you haven't really thought about these things before, about prayer or fasting and are allowing these to be disciplines in your life, take the first step. See what it looks like to engage in that. Maybe you're listening on the other side of this today and you're going, hey, I don't even know what it means to be part of the family of God. How do I do that? I didn't know Jesus wanted a relationship with me. I didn't know that I could actually know God and it not be this vague idea, but I could be part of this family. You know, right now, I just want to give you the opportunity to make that decision. We actually see that in scripture, that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, it says we'll be saved. We get all the benefit of God as Father, of Jesus as co-heir, of us being children of God. And so right now, wherever you are, why don't you just close your eyes and bow your head? You might be alone, but if you're a Christian on the other end of this, why don't you just pray for people who are contemplating this decision? But wherever you are, if you want to make that choice, why don't you just click, uh, I want to raise my hand in the chat that's coming up right now. It's just an opportunity for you to have an outward commitment to an inward decision. It's anonymous. We're not going to hound you or no one's going to see your name pop up or anything like that. But just make that decision in your heart right now. And I want to pray for you. God, I thank you, Lord, that there are people making this decision on the other end of this screen, God. Lord, the best decision that could ever be made. Thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus, for him dying and rising again. Thank you that we can have relationship with you through this sacrifice and that we get to be a part of your family. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I also want to pray for you. If you've just struggled with prayer and fasting and this is a discipline that you want to have in your life, I just want to pray for you. I want to intercede on your behalf. And why don't you pray with me right now? Lord, these are gifts that you have given us. Prayer is a spiritual gift that you've given us. So is fasting, God. And we acknowledge that today and we thank you for them, Lord. We also recognize that we can't do these things just on our own, Lord. So we are committing here today that we are going to be engaging, that we're going to be uh, intentional when it comes to these spiritual disciplines. And we pray right now that you would just meet us where we are at, that you would meet us in these places, Lord, that we would experience you, that it would not just be ritualistic or rigid or, or just so free flowing that we don't have anything grounding us, but God, we would actually see you clearly and learn about your character and therefore even deepen this experience further. God, we thank you for this opportunity. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, church, have a great week. Make sure you download that booklet. You check it out so that you can engage with us throughout the week as well. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.